Blog Talk Radio. We will now hear I Won't Complain by by Reverend Paul Jones. Church, 402 North 13th Street in Irwin, North Carolina. Apostle Alexander Lockham, I count it the privilege and an honor for God opening up this door to be able to come and minister to you. I hope and pray that God's word will not go out and come at board, but it will accomplish what he said it out to do, that will follow listening ears, that you will not only just listen to hear it, but listen to do it. But the scripture makes it so plain. It's not he that know the word, but he that does the word. This is why we have so much problem with God, not word, not working in our lives. We have so much problem without no manifestation taking place. We're thinking that that is something uh, uh, spiritually wrong, but it's really us. We're not operating the word as it said. 
The Bible says it's not he that know the word, but he that do the word. If you don't do the word, the word will not work. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you fast. If you don't do the word, the word will not work. Paul said, work without faith for dead. You got to do the word. If the word said, thou shalt not commit adultery, you can't read that word, thou shalt not commit, commit adultery, and then go be with another man wife or, or, or another woman husband. You All you did was read the word. Remember, the word ain't no some mystical wand uh, that some witch holding her hand and it pops you and you stop doing what you're doing. It'll be the one who stopped doing what you're doing. The Bible said, come out from among them. Be you separate, said the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. He didn't say he's going to come in and get you. God said, come out. He, he didn't say, well, I'm going to come in and receive you. He said, you come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. He said, then I will receive you and be your God and, and you be my child. God is not going to receive you till you come out. He said he dwells not in no unclean temple. you got to come out. God is a forgiving God. He's a grace and a merciful. He'll give you another chance, but he ain't going to come in your mess. you got to come out of your mess. Then God will receive you. People want God to come in their mess and get them, and they wonder why they're in there. I pray. I want to change. I told the Lord I want to change. I told God I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to fool around with this man husband. I didn't want to fool around this woman wife, but you're still doing it because you're looking for God to come and do something you're supposed to do. God said you lay down every weight in the sin so either but set you. You know that seeing what you're doing, so lay it down. Stop it. Leave it alone. Come out. And then when you come out, God will give you the strength to stay out. He'll restore you. He'll receive you. So the word of God is not something that you talk about. It's, it's the word of God is just like love. It's an action verb. It's something you do. You do the word. That's why the word was written, so that you would do it. And when you do it, it will change you. It will deliver you. It will set you free. It will break every yoke in your life if you will only do it. And that's what's wrong with this new generation, this new Christian world that we're living in, these new uh, recruits that are coming along right now, new converts, think that they can just read the Bible and it'd be all right. No, baby, you got to do it. Grandma had to do it. Grandpa had to do it. You got to do it. You got to do what the Word said do. And when you do the Word, it will it will do its job. The Scripture even said we are cleansed by the Word. When it has been spoken into us, if we do what's, listen to the word, D-O, do what's never said, you ain't going to be cleansed by just reading the Bible. You can read you can read ten chapters, twenty chapters you want to. It ain't gonna do you a bit of good until you do what you just read. He said we are cleansed by the word. If we do what it says, if it said do not shall not steal, stop stealing. He said covet not thy neighbor's house, stop covet your neighbor's house. Huh? The Bible said don't don't be uh, forgive one another, then forgive. See, this is how you do the word. When you do what it said, do. It said, if you have all against another, forgive. This is how you do the word. Whatever the word say, do, you do. The Bible said, if your brother asks you to go a mile, go with him two miles. The Bible said, be angry and sin not. Do what the scripture said. And when you do what it said, it will bring a change. So I hope that this word will help you change this afternoon, because this is why I'm here for. We're not here for no former fashion out and outside show. I'm doing here doing judgment work. And this afternoon, the message this evening, even though I got it all, that was good. I love to stay right there. But nevertheless, I got to give you the word that God gave me this evening. He told me to tell you this evening, turn it loose and let it go. Oh, I hold that's a message right there by itself. I don't know who I'm talking to, 
But God said, tell them to turn it loose and let it go. You've been holding on to it too long. You've been holding on to that anger too long. You've been holding on to that malice too long. Uh, you don't been in that affair too long with that other man husband, that other woman wife. You don't been in there too long. Let it go. Uh, turn it loose. Let it go before it destroy you, it, it, before it bring you to now. God told me to come out and tell him, turn it loose and let it go. We hold on to stuff too long. We, 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 we hold on to hatred. We hold on to animosity. We hold on to hurt. We hold on to unforgiveness. We don't know how to turn it. We don't know how to let it go. Paul said, forget the things that are behind us. This is what Paul said. Paul said, this ain't one thing I do. If Paul did it, we got to do it too. This is one thing I do. Forget the things that are behind me. Reach forward to the things that are before me. Some are still in behind. Some are still back to that mess that we were in. You got to come out, baby. Listen, God didn't bring you out of sin for you to sin. What kind of sense does that make? He brought you out of sin for you to sin. If you're going to sin, then God will let you in sin. He didn't bring you out of sin. He brought you out of sin for you to stop sinning. When you, you, when you were in sin, you went from iniquity to iniquity, from sin to sin to iniquity. Now the Bible said come from righteousness. Now we go from righteousness to holiness. You've been converted. You've been bought out of out of darkness. You're not a sinner no more. You're not a sinner no more. You're a saint. I, they got a song out there telling me I'm just a sinner. Uh, I'm just a sinner being forgiven. Look, baby, I ain't no sinner. When you're forgiven, you ain't no sinner no more. I don't know where they got that song from, but if I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a born-again believer. I am not a sinner. I ain't no sinner that's just been saved or just been converted. No, I'm saved. I'm born again. You are a Christian. You are not a sinner no more. You're a Christian now. You are, you're a convert. And so you got to walk according to the word. You got to come out for mud those things that you used to do. You can't hang out at the club no more. You can't stand around smoking dope, dragging cigarettes and liquor and wine with the ungodly no more. You you are saved. You are convert. You've been bought with a pride. You're not your own. You belong to Jesus. You got to let it go. You got to let the club go. You got to let them old friends go. You got to let them old habits go. You got to let all them, them sinful and formalities go. You got to let God tell somebody, somebody tell me somebody turn it loose. You, you you can't let nothing go till you turn it loose. I thought to tell you let let it go. God said no, don't tell him let it go. He said because he got to turn it loose for he can let it go. You got a lot of folks holding on to something and trying to let it go. You can't hold on to something and let it go at the same time. You got to turn it loose before you can let anything go. You got to turn it loose. So God sent me by to tell you turn it loose. You can do better. You can let it go. Oh, Pastor, you don't know this. I do know. I know you don't want to let it go. If you want to let it go, you can let it go. God had the grace and the ability to help you. There ain't nothing you hear and God can't bring you out. I don't care if you're in some affair. God can bring you out of that affair. God is gracious. God is forgiving. God is a God of restoration. God, God can fix your heart and send your heart back home to your wife, send your heart back home to your husband. God can do just that. So I come by and let, tell you, let go. Let go to hurt. Some of you have been hurt. Some of you have been hurt real bad by family members. Maybe you've been molested. Maybe you were raped. Maybe you were abused. I don't whatever the hurt is, you gotta let it go. Forgive that person that hurt you. You ain't doing nothing but imprison your own self. Forgive them, even if they don't come out and say they're sorry. Forgive them so you want to continue to carry this hurt. I know what hurt can do for you. 
if you allow me to tell a story. My mama got married when I was probably about three months old to a man that she didn't really even love. She said she married him, and she told him when she, when she married him that she didn't love him, but he said, well, maybe you can learn to love me. So my mama having four kids, I had three brothers, and I was the fourth, the baby. So for provision's sake, because she was in need, because she, you know, had no job, and and I was sick. I was the baby, and I was very sick. Mama kept on taking me to the hospital, feeding what little money she had, trying to make me well, because I was born with an immune system, low immune. My immune system was very low, and I kept a cold 24 hours a day. My mama kept taking me to the hospital. I had pneumonia 24 hours a day. Pneumonia 25 hours a day. Stopped up from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet, my lungs, my, my sinus, everything, my head. I couldn't even breathe that night. Didn't know at any given moment it sounded like I was going to die. At any given moment it sounded like I was going to collapse, that my lungs were going to collapse. It was my last moment. But my mama kept taking me to the hospital and, and different things, trying to get me well. And finally the doctor told her that out of her money ran out. Uh, that they couldn't do me no good, and they sent me home, telling her they, they had did all they know to do. And so my dad came in and married my mama, and I said I was about three months old. Mama mama didn't even have money to buy milk. She would put water in the milk to make the milk go a long way, and you know that ain't good. Milk ain't all that good in the first place when it's just real milk, but then put water in it, it does nothing, don't do nothing but make my other words. But mama stretched the milk because she got four kids, and I'm the baby. Daddy married, and she met my dad, and he was my stepdad. And I thank God for what he did. He he provided he, until I was, I said I was three months old. So when he died, I was probably 14 years old. And he raised us, but he was very cruel in a lot of ways. He was my stepdad. And and to me, he was very cruel. He was, he chastised us in the way that, that if today it would become kind of child abuse. But nobody did anything. Nobody said nothing, even though Mama knew back in those days, uh, I guess women's didn't have the authority that they have now to try to fix the problem. And then many times he would whoop me for things that they didn't do, made me do things that was very unacceptable. He would make me grab hot wire fences that we either we lived on the farm and we we lived on the farm and we had hogs and livestock and we had our electric fence around around the the lot and and uh we many times the hogs would get out. You know, they would just break right off through the electric fence. And so my stepdad would send us out there to try to clean the electric fence. So that would give it more current so the hogs wouldn't get out. So many times when hogs would get out, he would get angry and he would get mad at me because he said I didn't clean the fence. He didn't go behind me and see that I cleaned it, which I know I did. And any time he was angry with me because he thought I didn't clean the fence, and the fence didn't have a current on it, he would make me go out there and grab the fence. Now remember now, this fence got 120 20 volts on it. He would make me grab and hold it. And, and it tormented me. I mean, many of the things that he did, I won't even tell. But many of the things that he did to me, he tormented me. He made me hate. He made me, when I said he made me hate him, sometimes parents, you can make your children hate you. The Bible said, provoke not your children to wrath. You, you stepfathers, you make your children hate you. You make your daughters hate you. You, you. you can make your children hate you. Yeah, when you hurt them, you keep on hurting them and keep on abusing them, and you'll make them hate. And he built up hate in me. And down through the years, and what he did to me until the day he died, he built up hate in me. And cut the long story short, he died when I was 14 years old. And, 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 and many looked at me because why I didn't cry at the funeral. 
I mean, he had hurt the love. He had he had hurt all the love out of me. If I had any love for him, he had unheard it out of me. There was nothing need to cry. Actually, if anything, I would have thrown a party rather than, than cry because I, in a sense, it's sad to say I was glad. I was glad, but then I didn't know the Lord back then. Now, y'all be honest. Don't judge me yet now. I didn't know the Lord, so I was glad that he died. When I heard that he had died, it was exciting to me because I know now he can't abuse me, no. He can't hurt me no more. Parents, it's sad when you treat your children so bad that they're glad when you're dead. They're glad if you pass. They're glad that something happened to you. And you should not allow that to be so. You shouldn't treat your children to abuse them in such a way that, that death will be a pleasure to them if it came to you. And so what I said that reason I said that was not to disclose my business, but to sure that I, even after he had died, remember I'm 14 years old. Here I am now married. I'm in my 20s. And I'm still having dreamed that he whooped me, having dreamed that he chastised me, having dreamed that he ain't dead, that he's going to come back and he's going to come back and tell me what the dream he would be telling me what to do. In the dream, he would uh, he would be chastising me and calling me to do cruel things. And so I didn't know what was going on, why I would keep dreaming about this man. And he did. So I went and told my mama. I said, Mama, why am I still dreaming about Daddy? And Daddy's dead. And I said, and they keep on torment me in my dream. She said, baby, you went to the funeral. You seen them bury him. She said, but you didn't bury him. She said, now you go bury him, and you won't dream about him no more. I didn't even realize that I was holding hurt. I was holding that hurt in my heart, what he did to me all them years, and I didn't bury him, even though the undertaker buried him. Even though I went to the funeral, saw them put him in the ground, I didn't bury him. When I went and did what my mama said, I had a few more dreams afterwards, but after I did what she said, those dreams left and they went away. I come by to tell somebody this evening, you need to bury it. You need to bury that hurt. Why? You need to bury that hurt. You keep on sitting around with that diary, sitting around with that hurt, what your husband did to you, and it ain't going to get no better. It ain't going to change nothing. You can't change what doesn't happen. You got to go on with life. Here you is, another relationship. Here you is, sitting there by yourself. Some women have been hurt. Some of you women, you've been hurt so bad that you don't even want to get into another relationship with no man no more because you think all your statement is all men are dogs. But I come out and tell you, sweetheart, all men are not dogs. There's some good men out there waiting for you, but God's not going to give them you because you're too hurt. You're too wounded. If you get him, you're going to hurt him. If you get him, you're going to wound him. If you get him, you're going to offend him. If you get him, you're not going to appreciate him because you won't let go of her. You won't let go of that what you're going to. It's over, baby. That man did you. That man is not that man. You want to give him an opportunity. You, you want to give him an opportunity to show you that he's, a, he's not that man. Yet we got bad women as well as bad men. And women are the same way. Hurt is hurt. Yes, hurt is hurt. You got men out there that, that wants a good woman, but you won't let him come in your life because you hurt for what some other man did you. And the same way that with men, they're good women out there, man. And you were, yes, you were hurt by that woman that hurt you. Yes, she did you wrong. Yes, she cheated on you. Yes, she broke your heart. But that's no reason for you to stop loving. That's no reason for you to stop giving somebody another chance to come into your life. They might be ministry. God wants to send them in your life for ministry. But you judging them because you call all women a bad name. All women ain't no bad name. There's some good women out there waiting for a good man and a good man waiting for a good woman. But God tell me to come by and tell some of you, you need to bury it. You need to bury that hurt. 
You need to bury that animosity. You stand there in the house with that man. You stand there in the house with that woman. One you sleeping in one bed, one sleeping in the other bedroom, and you justifying yourself. You can't punish him for what he did to you. You wrong now. You wrong. You wrong in what he did. Yes, he had an affair on you. Yes, he cheated on you. Yes, he went to bed with another woman, or he went to bed with another wife. With another, she uh, he uh, she went to bed with another man. But you ain't God. You don't have the right to punish nobody. Here you is been mean. Here you is been vindictive. Here you been here you is been honoring. Won't cook no breakfast. Won't wash his clothes. Won't won't even say nothing to him. Living in the same house, been living there for years with your mean self, and and call yourself being justified. And when you stand before God, God gonna judge you. You gonna find out when you stand before God, you gonna want to be the wrong and not Him. He did you wrong, but when you stand before God, God gonna judge you for how you wronged Him. How you did him? How you were so mean? How were you so vindictive? How you were so unforgiving? Oh, how you so had such animosity, so bitter, because you were hurt. We all been hurt. It ain't nobody hadn't been hurt. We all been hurt, and God don't give us a right to hold on to hurt. He said, "Be angry, but sin not. Let not let not the sun go down on your wrath." You have to learn how to forgive. We have to learn how to let it go. Is that all right? Learn how to give. Learn how to give. Look at look. Let let look at let look at Esau and Jacob. How did Esau? Uh, 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 how Jacob took Esau's birthright? You know he pretended. You know the story. I'm gonna make the story short. He pretended that he was with Esau, and he went in there, and his daddy gave him the birthright. And Esau was so mad at him, he told him after the funeral, after the funeral, after we buried daddy. I'm going to kill you. That's how mad Esau was. He said, I'm going to kill you for what you did to me. And so so, so, so Esau, uh, uh, Jacob's mama had to send him away. Rebecca had to send him away because his life was threatened. Esau said he's going to kill him. And so he went and stayed gone 20 years. You know the story. They're going to get into all that. He went to the band house. He married his daughter. You know, he stayed there 20 years. After he got everything was so over with, he was on his way back now because he fulfilled the, the promise there. He's on his way back with, with, with his wife and with, uh, and with all his uh, children, all his servants and everything. And here he is, Esau coming with Jacob, think he's coming to kill him because he told him when he saw him last 20 years ago, I'm going to kill you. But whenever Esau met Jacob, we ain't going to get with wrestling and the angels and all that stuff. I just want to get to the point. When Esau saw Jacob, Esau jumped off his beat. Jacob thought that Esau was going to kill him. But Esau jumped off and hugged him with tears in his eyes. He was so glad to see his brother. He forgave him. He didn't hold on to it. He had a right to hold on to that what Jacob did to them. Jacob, Jacob was a, 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 a trickster. He was a schemer. Uh, and it would have been only justified if, if Esau had hurt him. But it didn't work that way because Esau let it go. Somebody need to do like Esau. You've been holding on this man for years. Holding on man for years. You need to let it go. Mama left. Mama died. This is when you find out who's saved. This is when you find out who's been born again, who's really a Christian. Folks that go to church all the time. And soon the family member die. Soon the mama die, daddy die, and leave a tractor or leave a bedroom seat too, or leave a, a acre of land or, 
a lead a refrigerator, a vacuum cleaner, or lead, 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 lead a safe deposit box, or lead a bank account. We find out how to save folks. Uh, folks lose their salvation just because mama fall out with their brothers, fall out with their sisters, fall out with their loved ones, because mama did not lead them that living room suit. I didn't lead them that Mercedes Benz or that, or, or that Jabron or whatever it was. Honey, let me share something with you. Family, blood is thicker than water. The love of your family should be far greater than a living room suit. Land, silver, and gold. You hear what I'm saying? These things, the pathway. But the love of family, blood is supposed to be thicker than water. You're never supposed to allow a, a mess like this to make you break up. So what? I would, yes, I would want mama to leave me something if I was in the family. But one thing I would not do, I ain't going to fall out with none of my brothers and sisters if they come and say, mama left me the living room suit. A mama left me this. A mama left me that. She didn't leave you nothing. Didn't leave me nothing in the bank account. I'm not going to start talking to them. I'm not going to stop loving to them because I know one thing, baby, my provision don't come from mama. You hear what I'm saying? My income don't come from mama. Uh, 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 my need don't come from mama. See, we get too caught up on material things. We get caught up in people. We get caught up in Mama and Uncle Joe, who who gave so and so some land and didn't give me nothing. He was so wrong, and when he ought to gave me this, I Mama told me I'm supposed to have this. Baby, it's unnecessary. Don't never let these material things make you lose out with a brother or sister. Oh, love. Some of you need to let it go. Some of you ain't talked in a long time. Oh, yes, you need to go and forgive one another. You need to tell them you're sorry for acting the way you act. You need to call a family union. You all get together and apologize to one another for acting so selfish over material things, things that ain't got no brain, things that ain't got no feeling, things that ain't got no blood in them. Oh, my God. And you done fell out with one another over this mess. Esau forgave Jacob, and you need to forgive one another. Husband, forgive that wife. Wife, forgive that husband. Brothers and sisters, forgive one another. I was at a funeral one time, and I might have missed it early, and I preached at this funeral, and God had me talking just like I'm talking now about forgiving one another. And this man came to me after the funeral was over with and told me he hadn't talked to his brother in 14 years. And he said, he said, and I mentioned in there about you're the bigger one. If you've been born again, if you say you should be the bigger one, don't wait for the other family member to come back and say they're sorry. If you've been born again, you go find them. You call them up on the phone. Find out where they live. Ask them, could they come over? Ask them, can you come over and talk with them? And then you tell them you're sorry. Say, what's wrong with what we're doing? How we acting? Life is short. And the boy said he ain't talked to his brother in 14 years. So they had not communicated. They left angry with one another. He said, but I'm going right now where he lives. I'm going right to his house when I leave here, man of God. He said, I'm going to get it right with my brother. I'm going to fix it. I really know you got to be the one to fix it. God ain't going to fix it. God ain't going to bring y'all together. God ain't gonna God ain't gonna make y'all forgive one another. God ain't gonna make y'all reunite. You something you got to do. God will help you. We just want God to do everything. Something you got to do. God is not gonna do it. He's leaving it up to you. You got to be big enough to say you're sorry to one another. You got to be big enough to fix this problem going on in the family. You got to be big enough to lay down this unforgiveness. To lay down this malice. And allow God to fix it. Let's go to Joseph. I'm just using people in the Bible to help you out. Let's go to Joseph. Look at Joseph. Look what his brother did to him. He had a right to be bitter. He had a right to be angry. 
they sold him into Egypt. Yes, they did. They sold him into Egypt. And he stayed there for a number of years, all his teenage years. He stayed there, being, being wrongfully done by his brother. When they put him in that hole, they raised him out and sold him into that caravan. And he stayed there. But he didn't stop obeying God. He didn't stop being faithful. And you know the story. Finally, he ended up in prison because of particle wife who lied on him. And now he done been put in prison again for lying wrong. But the boy didn't get bitter. He didn't get no animosity. He didn't let him steal his joy. He didn't let him steal his anointing. He was still interpreting dreams. He was still lying God to use him. He still stayed right humble. You know, it's something about when we go through something, we don't know how to stay humble. We get all mad. We get all out of place. Why we think the scripture said be ye steadfast and unmovable? We let so much stuff move us. Well, we're the most movable folk that, to be sure. We're supposed to be like a tree planted by the river water. We are the most movable Christian I ever did say. We're up today and down tomorrow. We're happy today. We're mad tomorrow. We love the Lord today and cuss tomorrow. We got to be steadfast as a mover. You can't let people break your spirit. You can't let people move you. You got to be steadfast right where you are. Cry, but stay right still. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have, we have to cry sometimes, but don't move. Don't go backwards and give up your salvation. Don't leave God because you went through life. So we're going to have circumstances. We're going to have circumstances in life. They're coming. In all our life, they're going to be circumstances. They're going to be things that are going to happen that ain't going to be happy. They ain't going to be pleasing. They ain't going to be good. That's what's called a process. See, we don't want to make it through the process. We want to be an apostle. We want to be a prophet. We want to be an evangelist. Uh, we want to be great in God, but you ain't going to be great if you let go. You can't be. How are you going to be great if you don't let go? Because, see, by you letting go, God's going to give you grace and strength to help somebody else let go. Now, how are you going to let, help somebody else let go and you won't let go? How God going to use to be great when you won't, when you won't allow him to be, to be great while you're little? You want him to take you way up there to the mountaintop, but you won't do nothing while you're in the valley. You got to be faithful in the valley. You got to let go in the valley. You got to you you got to grow in the valley so God can't put you up on the mountaintop. The Bible said if you can't be faithful in an unrighteous manner, that's the things on the earth, the same little simple thing you have to do. If you a man can't be faithful in a righteous manner, how God gonna give him his spiritual thing to do? How are you going to be able to handle a spiritual thing and you can't even have a natural thing? You can't even love. You can't even forgive. You can't even let animosity go. You can't even let bitterness go. How do you think God going to give you a spiritual thing to work with? You've got to conquer these things. You've got to get rid of that bitterness. You've got to get rid of that animosity. You've got to get away from hatred. But say you've been born again and still mad. You've been born again and you still got hate in you. You get you you still been born again until got animosity in you, got bitterness in you, got malice in you. So mean, so angry, so mad, so upset. And you say you've been born again. The Bible said it's the love of God sustains us. The love of God purifies us. The love of God sanctifies us. The love of God cleans this mess out of us, this hatred and bitterness. This is what the love of God is. That's why, the, that's why the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, and peace. That's the first three. That's the first thing happened when you got saved. Well, that's the first thing happened to me when I got saved was love, joy, and peace. Love, joy, and peace started off with me immediately. Love, joy, and peace came right in the beginning. See, it's in the fruits of the Spirit. That's why we need the Spirit. When you become born again, it's in the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. 
I, this is not natural love. This is not natural joy. This is not natural peace. This is spiritual. That's why the writer Peter said, this joy I have. The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. Why? Because it came through the spirit. It came by the power of the almighty God. So I want to share with you, and Joseph was raised out of the prison. He was taken into the king. And you know what the king did? He made him second ruler. The part I'm trying to get to is whenever uh, uh, Joseph's dad died, that his brother was afraid. He thought Joseph would just be nice to them because their daddy was living. But their daddy told Joseph to forgive them. Yes, they were wrong with what they did, but forgive them. So when Joseph's daddy died, they got fearful because they were afraid that Joseph would come back and punish them and judge them for what they did to him. And Joseph told them, don't be afraid. Am I God? Yeah, I'm not God. Yes, you did me wrong, but God allowed you to do me wrong. You're merely for my bad. Uh, but God meant it for my good. All the people hurt you? All the people did you wrong? Listen, I've been serving God over 40 years. I had so many people hurt me. I had so many people lie on me. I had so many people hang my name on the signboard. I had so many people call me some ugly words. I had so many people dug holes for me to fall in. So many people set traps for me to fall. So many people shut that door in my face because they heard lies that was not true. They wrote me out of their ministry. But can I share something with you? I'm still here. Many of those people lied on me. Many of those people hurt, and I'm not rejoicing. I'm just trying to tell you. Many of those people that lied on me, many of those people that hurt me, many of those people that hang my name on the signboard, many of those people that, see, that desire to see me fall, they are not here. They have gone over and crossed the River Jordan. They've gone on. I'm still here. God left me here. And they did me a favor. They made me stronger. You need to learn how to let what you're going through make you stronger. You need to learn how to let what you're going through uh, 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 strengthen you and not weaken you, not weaken you. God didn't allow you to go through those trials so he could put a frown on your face. God allowed you to go through that trial so he could put a smile on your face. God didn't allow you to go through that trial for it to tear you down. God allowed you to go to that trial so hard time, so it will build you up. See, what it is, you allow your trial to do the negative instead of the positive. Uh-huh. The Bible said every man where it will be tried to see what sort they be. The reason you the, the reason the reason the reason you get defeated when you go through your trial is because you're not rooted. The Bible said be rooted in the word. You need to read your word the more. You need to fast the more. You need to get to have a sincere heart for God. If you be sincere, because God will put no more on you able to bear. God will not put no more you on the bear. See what it is, what you're going through may be something that the devil putting on you, not God. Because you're on the devil territory. You don't got out of the will of God. You don't got you you don't got off of God territory. As long as you're on the devil territory, devil can do what he wants to you. The devil is not the one who told you that he would put no more on you, able to bear. God the one said that. The devil ain't got no limitation. He's cruel. He's mean. He's dirty. He's trickery. He's a murderer. He come to steal, kill, and destroy. And as long as he's on your, on you on his territory at the club, smoking dope, drinking liquor, drinking wine, fooling around at fornication in the dope, you on the devil territory. So then. He, he had no limitations what he put on you. He would try to kill you while he got you on his territory. You trespassing on the devil territory, and, and here you is uh, 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 blaming God that God done put something on you, and God ain't put nothing on you. you you got to get off the devil territory and get back on God territory, get back in God vicinity. He said he put no more on you. Then you were able to bear, but with the temptation, he will make a way and say, God loves you. 
God wants you to have the victory, but, you, but, but God can't help you if you don't let go. You've got to let go. Somebody need to let go. They think, I don't know who you are. God said, I'm telling them to turn it loose. Now, when I say this, each person had to each person had to search their own self. What is you holding on to? What is it that you need to turn loose and let go? What is it? What is it you holding on to? What's holding you back? What is it that calling you not to be the man of God or the woman of God? What is it calling you not to be the husband or the wife? Husband, all husband and wife. It's time you love your wife more. It's time you love your husband more. Don't love love that job. It's okay to have a job. But you need to love that wife more than you love your job. Pastors, apostles, leaders who own a church, it's okay you to pastor that church. But you need to love your wife more than you love that church. You need to love your wife more than you love the mothers of that church, the deacons of that church, the members of that church. The Bible says forsake all but love her only. You ought to put your wife in about I got ministry. I, I got to go. You, yes, you do have to go. But you need to have a quality time so you can spend with your wife. You need to have quality time so that you can take her out to dinner. So you can take a walk in the park. So you can sit out on the porch with her. You're so caught up trying to save the world. Who's going to save you when your wife walks out? Who's going to save you? Who's going to save you? I'm reminded of a friend of mine, very close, who, who, who had a ministry. He was so faithful to the ministry, but he had no time with his family. And his wife left him because he was so faithful to trying to keep the church alive, but he forgot to keep his family alive. But I'm so glad that he got his act together and she came back when he saw his frailty. He saw his fault. Pastors, spend time with your wife. Women or men, no matter who you be, spend time with your mate. Take them out to dinner. Take them to the movie. Go sit in the park. Sit out on the porch. Walk in the yard. Hold hands. Quit getting so caught up religiously. I did leave your, leave, your, leave, your guilt at, at, leave your guilt at the church. You'll be a pastor at the church and be a husband at the house. Wife and husband, whichever you might be, quit fighting one another because both of you and a pop. When you get home, you ain't nothing but husband and wife. Leave that mess at the church, at the house, trying to operate on your guilt. It ain't going to do nothing but tear up your marriage. Leave that mess at the church. There's a time for all things. Time for you to be husband and wife at the house, be the apostle at the church, be subject to one another. Don't let your guilt get in the way of your relationship. Don't let your guilt get in the way of your love for her and your love for him. Love each other. Your gift was not given to you to divide you. Your, your, your gift was not given to you to bring animosity and bitterness. But you ought to love one another. Christ had loved the church. He said, husband, love your wife. Apostle, bishop, deacon, whoever, overseer, whatever you call your name is, elder, love your wife as Christ loved the church. If you love your wife like Christ loved the church, you won't have no animosity in the house. You won't have no bitterness in the house. You won't have to worry about her if you love her that way. And why be reverent to your husband at all times? Not sometimes, not when you want to be. The Bible says be reverent to him at all times. We're talking about him behind his back. If you've got to talk, talk, talk to him about something, sit him down and talk to him and let him know what you want him to know if he's right, what he's wrong, and do it with love. Do it with love. But let go of all this mess. Get back in the bed with your husband. Get back in the bed with your wife. Shut that extra bedroom off and get back together and work this thing out. may not work the first night, second night, the third night, but get back in that bed with one another. First night, you might just have to lay the bed back to back. Oh, you may just lay there be mad at one another. But the next night, get a little closer. And the next night, get a little closer. Touch one another. Be able to connect with one another. Fix it because your prayer is going to be hindered. The Bible says, husband, be not bitter toward your wife. Let your prayer be hindered. Husband, 
from a spirit, I know, if you be bitter towards your wife, if you're cheating on your wife, if you're having an affair on your wife, she don't have to fight her battle. God's going to fight it for her, and your prayers going to be hindered. Be faithful to her. Be loyal to her. Don't have no extramarital affair. Don't have no girlfriend on the side. You a leader. You're holding a position. You're representing God. So, so don't have that extra affair. Uh-huh. Yes. You having a problem being alone with a woman? Then take your wife with you. Take somebody else with you. Take the deacon with you. Take somebody with you so there won't be no e-report, so you won't find yourself getting yourself in trouble. Oh, I hope I'm helping somebody. So Joseph forgave them. The brothers were scared. But Joseph looked at them and said, am I God? You're meant it for my bad, but God meant it for my good. And Joseph let it go. And look at Jesus on the cross. Oh, y'all hear me? Look at Jesus on the cross. My God. Hanging there on that cross, I did him so wrong. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But such as received him, he gave him eternal life. Jesus hung there on the cross. He came unto his own. He did his people, his own people, killing him. His own people taking his life. His own people crucified him. Pilate asked him a question. Uh, because at that time of the year, uh, they could always tr- turn, a, turn a prisoner loose because it was like a festival. And every year they would turn a, pr- a prisoner loose, whoever the people wanted. And they had a prisoner named Barnabas, which was a murderer. And then they had Jesus who was arrested by, by the soldiers and took to the palace. So Pilate asked them, say, who would you have to turn loose at this time of the season? You know that I turn a prisoner loose. Will you have me to turn Jesus loose? They said, no, don't turn Jesus loose. No, don't turn him loose. They give us Barnabas, the murderer. They chose a murderer. They chose a murderer uh, against Jesus. And ever since they chose that murderer, they said, let the blood be on our hand. And ever since they did that, they brought judgment on them. Look like Hitler did them. Look like Hitler did. They asked. They said, let the blood be on our hand. They, they denied Jesus and accepted our murderer. And ever since they did that, uh, 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 the Germany and many other nations uh, tormented them and, and, and killed them and killed them genocide and, and put them in gas chambers and took their lives because they ch- chose to accept a murderer rather than kill Jesus. How about you today? Who are you choosing? Who are you choosing? Jesus or the world? Jesus or society? Jesus or people? Who are you choosing today? And then they denied him and said, hung him on the cross. And then they, they, they told Pilate, you give us Barnabas. They took Jesus and crucified him. But before Jesus died, he dropped his head and he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Isn't that something? Here they done heard. Do you not know that Jesus had the ability? They told him to come down off the cross. They said, if you be Jesus, you can come down off this cross. But see, they did not know he was Jesus, and he did have the power to come down off the cross. But if he had came down off the cross, we wouldn't have a right to the tree of life. Now, he did not come down off the cross, so he was scared because he couldn't come off the cross because he could have called for 12 legions of angels, 12 legions of angels, excuse me, would have came, and they could have just destroyed the whole world. 12 legions of angels, they could have acted like an atomic bomb. They could have killed everything that was standing if they wanted to. Jesus had the ability to step down off that cross like a mighty man. He could have made them nail pop out of his hand, out of his feet. 
flew through the air and landed down in front of them and killed everything that was looking at him. But if he had did that, we'd be lost today. He humbled himself and stayed humble. They said, if you be the son of God, come down off the cross. And somebody said, well, the nails had him. No, baby, nail ain't what kept him on the cross. It was love that kept him on the cross. The nails were nailed at him, but it was love that kept him there. If he had not loved us, he could have pulled them nails out. But because he loved us, he left them nails in there. And he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Isn't that something? And we know, this is what the scripture says, and we know that in all things God works for the good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life, even though you don't understand before you were born in your mother's womb, God already knew about you. He knew who your mama going to be. He knew what house you're going to live in. He knew who brothers and sisters you're going to have. He already knew you were going to grow up. He already knew the plans for your life. He already knew that the problems you're going to run into. Ain't nothing here from God. You got to understand that no matter what you're going through, when it's all over with, he didn't say, listen, he did not say it happened for your good. Don't get me wrong now. He didn't say it happened for your good. He said it's going to work out for your good. It might have been a bad thing. It might have been a bad situation. But God's going to work it work. God's going to make it work out for the best. That when it's all over with, Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, let us throw off everything that hinder and the sin was so easy beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. See here, we're talking about letting it go. Lay aside. You got to let it go. Seeing that we got so great a cloud of witnesses. Who's my witness? Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Hebrew boys, all these people, Daniel, Jeremiah, Samuel, all these are witnesses that you can make it. I come out and tell you you can make it, but you got a little side, all wait and see it. You can't keep on hanging at the club. You can't keep on uh, fulfilling the lust of your flesh. You can't keep on laying down with somebody you ain't got married to or laying with somebody that married to somebody else. You can't keep on fulfilling the desire of the flesh and expect God to receive you. God want to bless you. God want to blow your mind. God want to give you the riches of the kingdom, but you can't do it stand in the flesh. The Bible says he that, he, he, he that fulfills the lust of the flesh shall die, but he that does the deeds of the spirit shall live. God wants you to live. He don't want you to die. He wants you to let go. Let this stuff go. Just like the, the one in the Bible, just like Joseph let it go. Just like Esau let it go. Just like Jesus let it go. You got to let it go. Isaiah 43 said, forget the former thing. Do not dwell on the past. Oh, my God. You're you still in the past. You're still dwelling on something that you heard you years ago. Something somebody did years ago, and you can't go forward because you won't forget the former thing. You won't let go. And what hurt you? You ain't the only one hurt. Everybody been hurt. And if we let it go, you got to let it go. Seeing I am doing a new thing, now it springs up. Do you not proceed it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. God want to make a way for you in the wilderness. God want to make a stream for you in the desert. 
God want to show you his glory, but you won't let go. You won't let go there. You're willing to live, live year for her when you can be free. When God can give you a, a, another chance, when God can lift you up and bless you all over again, but you won't let go. You sitting there hurt, waiting for him to come back. He's been gone 10 years, and you waiting for him to come back. He done left you, and since he left you, he done been with somebody else, and you still sitting there waiting. Get up and fix your hair. Get up and, and, and reclaim your identity. Get up and quit waiting on him and let God give you somebody that will treat you like who you are. You, he didn't deserve you when he had you. That's why he left because he didn't appreciate what you was. He didn't see the treasure in you. Now you sitting there waiting on somebody who don't even appreciate you to come back, and then he going to come back, he ain't going to appreciate you. Get up. God didn't make just one man in the world. He didn't put that two men in the world. I know we say that he's my rib, but you got to remember, baby, the body got more than one rib in it. Hello, anybody in the house? Well, one thing won't work. God is a gracious God. He understands what they've done to you. He understands how they hurt you. And God will prepare and give you somebody that will treat you. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, presenting your request to God. Be not anxious. Let it go. You won't let it go because you're afraid that something else will come. Be not anxious. Wait on God. Don't be in a hurry. You will end up in the wrong relationship. You will end up with the wrong man. You will end up with the wrong woman. You will end up on the wrong job because you're so anxious. That means impatient. You want it to happen now. You ain't willing to wait. But let it go. Let it go. Let that anxiety go. The Bible says that patience might have its perfect word. Let it go so God might perfect in you patience. Then when you got patience, you can see clearly. When you got patience, you'll be willing to see that in that young man, a, 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 a sister or not. You're so impatient because he said, I love you, and I'm going to give you the moon. And come and, and I blew your eyes in it. And he done already deceived you already because you're in anxiety, because you want somebody and you're not willing to wait. You end up getting the wrong one. Anytime you're not willing to wait, anytime you're in anxiety, you're going to end up with the wrong boyfriend. You're going to end up marrying a man that ain't your husband. And he's going he gonna, to, oh, you know the outcome. You're going to end up with a world of trouble because you would not wait. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. They'll be able to run and not be weary. They'll be walk and not faint. God wants you to be patient. He wants you to wait. He wants you to get rid of that, that, that anxiety. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Oh, that is so simple right there. But that is something we all do. We take matters in our own hands. We go try to figure it out ourselves. And we make a mess. Trust the Lord, because you can't see like God see. God see the heart of a man. God see the heart of a woman. God see things down the road that you don't see. So when God leads you and guides you, He does according to what He see and not what you see, because you can't see but so far. I can't see. I can't see no two miles down the road. God can see ten miles down the road. So that means eight miles. That means if I could see two miles. And I need to see 10 miles. I got eight miles that I don't even know what's going on. And here I am trying to go somewhere when there are eight miles of danger down there, eight miles of unhid things. 
But God sees, O Aikmau. He sees further than I see. He knows what I don't know. He knows what you don't know. He said, and in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Sometimes we're doing the wrong way. We have to pray, God, if this relationship that I'm in with this person, that, see, that's why you stay in relationship for years and years. Next thing you know, you got two, one baby, you got two babies, you got three babies, you got four babies, you got five babies, and I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying is you don't need to let some man keep getting your baby that won't give you a ring. He ain't putting no ring on your finger yet. He's just talking about, I'm going to marry you. I love you. After the next baby, I'm going to get you a ring. After the next baby, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. Honey, you need to acknowledge the Lord. You need to say, God, if this man is not going to marry me, then, Lord, take him out of my life and, and, and send me somebody that will marry me and help me raise my children. You don't need that man there because you want him to raise your children. That man need to love you. You don't need to keep cheating on you because I need somebody to raise my children. Baby, you don't need that man to help you raise your children. God will help you raise your children. He'll give you the provision that you need. God is seeing somebody in your life. but well, he can't sit as long as that man standing there. Keep on lying to you. Keep on telling he's going to raise seven children. He ain't married you yet. Didn't get what he's going to do. He's going to turn around and go down the street and marry some girl that ain't got no children after he left you with a house full of children. So don't be unwise. But the Bible said be not unwise, but trust the Lord. Put, put, uh, 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 put it in God's hand. Uh, and I acknowledge the Lord. You're in a situation, okay, how bad your situation is, God can bring you out of it. You hear what I'm saying? It don't matter how bad your situation is, God can bring you out of the situation that you're going through. He had the ability to do it. He's God right by himself. He wants you to. He wants you to. Ephesians 4 and 31 and 32 says, get rid of all bitterness. Remember, my subject is turn it loose and let it go. Christian people. Saved people, born-again people, from the poor pit to the congregation, call yourself born again and got bitterness in you. Do you not know that the Bible says bitterness is not of God, but it's of the devil? If you got bitterness in here, you let the devil use you. I don't care how saved you is. I don't care what your title is. If you got bitterness in you, you don't get out of the will of God. You not only defile yourself, you defile others. You so mean, setting up a leader, a apostle, a pastor. And you and your wife can't get along with one another, and here you try to teach somebody else? Come on. That don't make no sense. If, if you teach the other, you have to do it yourself. He said get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving one each other, just as Christ, for God, has gave us. This is what the Scripture is telling us to do as brothers and sisters. We ought to not have bitterness toward one another, or rage and anger, brawling, fussing, slander, cussing, all kind of malice and our unforgiveness, sitting in the same church, sitting in the same church up there mad, up there preaching, and you know you're mad with somebody out there in the congregation, or they mad with you. We got to do it God's way. We got to cut out their foolishness. It's time church begin church. It's time church be church again. Church ain't church no more. Sitting in the church, mad at one another, animosity want to build it with one another. It's time that we do it God's way. My last verse is, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. 
What Paul is saying is he asked God to forgive him. Something was going on, something was bothering him. Three times he asked God to to move it, and God didn't move it. God, he 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 wanted God to, to let it go, to get it off of him. But God said, no, I'm going to leave it there because you're so anointed. You'll get the big head. And, but he said that God left it there lest he exalt himself. Sometimes God allows things to come in our lives because we get the big head. We get to think we're all that because we spoke, spoke in tongues and prophesied to somebody. Now now we got the big head. We can't. Uh, we think we, we, we you know, our head getting lifted up. Sometimes God has to let us know that, 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 that he's in charge. So I thank God. Let it go. Turn it loose, whoever you is. Turn it loose, husband. Turn it loose, wife. Turn it loose, family members. Turn it loose, brother and sister. Turn it loose, mother. Turn it loose, deacon. Turn, let it go. Let it go. Let this be the last day you hold on to this mess. It's holding you back. It's hindering you. It caused you not to be the man and woman of God. That God will have you to be present, Father. We just thank you this afternoon for the message, telling us to turn it loose and let it go. Because I'm just a guilty, have been guilty as others, Lord. Holding on to so hurt, holding on to bitterness, holding on to animosity, holding on to unforgiveness, Lord. I was done wrong and held on it for a number of years, God. And I was justified. Every time somebody said something, something about my daddy, I had something negative to say. But you told me, God, because I didn't know better, half one I won't say. Then when I got saved, God, I still had bitterness in my heart. But you told me I had to forgive. You told me I had to let it go. You told me I couldn't be, couldn't talk like that no more. And so that's what I did. I accepted what you said, God. And I forgave my dad. I forgave him, even though he'd gone on across the river. I forgave him for what he did to me, oh, God. And somebody needs need your help, God. Somebody needs your help to help them forgive, Lord. To help them get rid of this animosity. To help them get rid of their bitterness. They've been holding on to this mess. Holding on to what daddy did, holding on to what mama did, holding on to what brother or sister did, holding on to what some family member did, holding on to what some church member did, holding on to what something happened on their job. They've been holding on to this bitterness, oh God, not wanting to let it go, God. It seems like it's become a, a familiarity, Lord. They don't kept it so long and it seems like it's familiarity. They're they, they, they living with it now, it become a part of them. But God, this day, help them to turn it loose, help them to let it go, oh God. Help them to put it behind them, oh God, that they can grow, God. Paul said, let it go, that we might press to the mark of the pride of a higher calling. You want to take us higher. You want to take us deeper. You want to do new things in our lives. You want to stir up gifts in us. You want to take us in places in the spirit that we've never been before, but we don't know how to let it go. But if you help us, we'll let it go. If you help us, we'll turn it loose, oh God. Help somebody, God. Break this joke. Pull down this stronghold, God, in the name of Jesus. Give them the victory, O oh God, and the glory, and the honor, and the praise. It shall be thine. We thank you. We lift you up, and we magnify your name for being that kind of God. We thank you, Lord, that somebody going to be blessed by this message. They're not going to be the same as it was when it came on today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.
With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.